A no-frills bread and butter budget, according to the government. Crusts and thin butter at best, says one business group. A blowout and a build-back broke budget are the tasters from the opposition. So joining us now is an expert panel to help us break down the budget buffet. Sue Maroney is a former Labour MP and now CEO of Community Law Centres or Aotearoa. Phil O'Reilly, a business leader and managing director of consultancy Iron Duke Partners and he was on the government's welfare expert advisory group. And also Dr Ella Henry, a professor with expertise in business and Māori development. She whakapapas to Ngāti Kahuki Great to have you all on the programme this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's do a whip around. Marketed at no frills. When they punched open the piñata, is there enough in it? Phil, to you first. Well, it's actually quite a political budget, and I, I don't think it's going so far as to say it's quite a cynical budget because it, it spreads a bit of sugar to those groups who the government thinks might vote for them come October, but really doesn't do much for the country or for competitiveness or productivity or for business competitiveness or any of those sorts of things. So I think it's, uh, it's a, I've got a pretty negative view of it as I read it. I thought, gee, is this, is this the country we've come to? We can't do any better than this. We'll come back to business in a moment. Ella Henry, what do you think? Uh, well, I was heartened by the increase in funding, particularly around cultural events like, you know, Matatini, um, but but also the amount that was being invested in infrastructure, because the reality is this year has taught us how vulnerable we are as a couple of lumps of rock sandwiched between two oceans that are currently in a maelstrom to be able to help those people most um, severely affected and also build an infrastructure for the future, I think, was a critical component of this budget. Sue Maroney, the government said it was going to help out people who were really struggling with the cost of living crisis. Does this budget do that? Well, look, it's an extremely challenging time to be doing a budget in New Zealand because, you know, other countries around the world are all struggling with this cost of living crisis problem. But we've got the addition of the recent cyclones to deal with as well. And as everyone sort of comes out of the COVID era as well, there's just so many challenges. So I think they got the balance right in this budget. They, re- they said it was going to be a no-frills budget, and they've, really, they've stood by their word. I, I didn't expect that. I thought there would be some big election year announcement, but there really has not been. It's been a very standard budget that is looking to um, shore up the, the um, economy, make sure that people are safe and well. Um, but there is, there is no big um, surprise in the budget. It's just really trying to keep an even keel in um, some very tricky times that we've got to navigate ahead. And so I suppose that was the big surprise in some ways, wasn't it? Because always expectations are played down ahead of the budget. You get in there and then all of a sudden there's some big bang item. Will that lead to disappointment? Because we've been told, always we're told, to measure our expectations, yet there's always something. This, this time there wasn't necessarily that big surprise. Well, of course, they're holding well, that tool closer. Will, they'll recognise that um, themselves because everyone is trying to manage their own budgets as well. So I think people will, will look at that and say, yeah, I recognise that feeling. I know that there's things I want to do and some really big progress that I want to make, but now's just not the right time for that. And I, so I think you know people will understand exactly what the government's wanting to do for the country. Phil, have they shot themselves in the foot without having anything super special in there? 
Oh, they've really set it up to, to make big announcements closer to the time, of course, and they'll be related to tax and transfer systems. And they've left themselves quite a big number to do that, 4 to $5 billion, I think, we looked at today. So really what this is about is, is spreading a bit of sugar on the ground for those groups and saying there'll be more to come. And in the meantime, Rome burns. I mean, there was a whole bunch of pretty wasteful stuff that was sitting in the budget. My favourite is, catch this for a little one, Kiwi Rail is going to get some money to do a business case for electrifying the main trunk line in the North Island. I mean, it's, going to, it's never going to happen. It's going to cost hundreds of billions to do that sort of thing. But the government said, oh, let's just have that anyway. There's a classic where a, a sensible government would have said, do you really need to do that just this very year? But no, no, off we carry on. So it's not bread and butter, this. This is actually politics. And in that sense, I think it's quite a good budget from them, from their perspective, because they'll be able to say, here's a bit and here's a bit more as you go into the voting booth in October. Alan, let's talk about education and this extension of the free child um, care education for two-year-olds, right? And it amounts to about $133 a week. Um, is that sensible spending? Who are they targeting here? Well, I'd like to think that, that that's going to have some positive flow-on effects for Māori families. We do have a, a higher you know, a higher fecundity rate. We, we're more likely to be have parents and young children in our communities, many of whom could not afford childcare. Uh, and that meant that, you know, young mothers and parents could go back to the workforce, they can be more productive, they can study. So I see that as a really positive thing. And, and it's mainly going to really impact on those who've got access to early childcare education, because a lot of rural areas don't. And that's where the most impoverished Māori are. But at least it's a movement in that direction that I think is positive. The other areas of helping out Māori education, Kura, I think those are really solid investments moving forward. And that will look, I believe, attractive to, you know, the Māori, the voter. So also the free prescriptions, Ella, we just had Nicola Willis on from the National Party. She wouldn't describe it as wasteful spending, but she said she wouldn't have done it. I, 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 um, it's so frustrating. Yes, you can get a free prescription from a chemist warehouse, but guess what? Those are only in the cities. They're not in the poor areas where people have to scrimp and save for petrol to come to town once a week and where $5 on a prescription is a lot of money. So this is really going to help, uh, you know, the poorer, rural, isolated communities uh, where often you have health problems that, as you said, people are not picking up prescriptions because they don't don't have the spare cash. This, I think, is a really good one for the, for the most disadvantaged. So there is a suggestion that there's money in the back pocket to sort of start sprinkling around some pre-election goodies. Is that a little distasteful to hold back that money for election campaign promises when you do have people who are really hurting right now? Well, you look, I, me? I don't agree with that statement. <laughs> um, uh, election promises are things that get... That, that get delivered in the next budget, not the current budget. Um, so I, I just think that's that's um, actually um, a bit of nonsense that's been um, put out there. Because look, you know, the fact of the matter is that um, the government has been very careful with the way it's spending. I do also, along with Ella, um, really appreciate the focus that it has. It's been on people with disabilities in this budget. You don't often see that in a budget, actually. I think they're the forgotten people um, in, in many government budgets. But in this particular one, um, they have been really careful to make sure that, you know, so, for example, the free prescriptions 
will be really great for people with disabilities. Um, they've uh, made sure that people with disabilities will actually get the, the half price uh, public transport and they've put another $863 million in for disability services. I think one of the lessons that this government has learnt is that even in the tough times, if you don't, if you don't keep up with health and education expenditure, which is all they're really attempting to do in this budget, it creates a hole for another government to pick up another day. And those zero budgets that you referred to earlier that Bill English put in place, they did mean that there were now big holes in health and education that another government had to come in and try and resolve, and we're still paying the costs of that today. So they have learnt that lesson. They are not just slamming the brakes on um, on spending across the board. They have made sure that they are keeping up. They're, you know, they're running to keep up with the things that that if you don't do that, they cause big problems further on down the track. So I think you know they've got the balance right. Fellow Riley, you were on the Welfare Expert Advisory Group and the, and the government would say it's a totality of what they have done to support people with cost of living issues, including addressing benefit levels, pension levels previously, and this yep. adds to their support package, right? Have they yep. gone far enough? Have they fulfilled their promises and your recommendations? Well, I think I think they've they've made some good progress, and and I look at some of the things you can tick off the um, some of the stuff they've announced outside the budget cycle actually has been quite helpful in that regard. And and let me say, I just I completely agree with Ella on the idea of making prescriptions and childcare much much more available to the the truly poorly off those living in in rural and regional New Zealand who are who are really living in poverty. I guess my my point is more that. I don't need that. I don't. Why, why are you making prescriptions free to me? But charge me and give more to those who need it. And I think a lot of the debate is not about whether government should be doing that for people who who are less well off. But the point is whether they should be doing it for everyone. And I just don't think they should. So that, that's the argument. And I think over the welfare stuff, I think they're on the way. Uh, and I really hope that if there is a change of government come October, that the Nats will continue on with that program. And I, I see no reason to suggest that they won't. Phil, you said there's not much in it for business, right? But Ella referenced no. the money there. I think it's $6 billion that's going into resilience and building back better. Yep. That's infrastructure. And we're constantly told by business that infrastructure gets the economy moving. So that's for business, yep. isn't it? Agree. Could be. What's the $6 billion for? Lisa, it's not clear resilience. in the budget, it's, is it? No, well, it doesn't specify. It's building back better right. with resilience. Well, right. Yeah. yeah, I seem to remember some of that. It was called COVID funding, which went to all sorts of weird and wonderful things, didn't it? So, you know, if they tell me what it's for, and it's for productive infrastructure, then I agree with you. I would back it, and, and what I, take, it be I for, take a view then? that it's better than it should be for building roads. It should be for building resilient infrastructure, but <clears throat> until I know what it's for, I'll say, well, okay, that could be for all sorts of things. It's got nothing to do with building a more productive economy. The business community really wanted more out of the government to say, we're with you on reducing wasteful spending. We're with you on trying to make sure that businesses are more competitive. We're with you on trying to reduce cost and, and regulatory impact on business. Not much of that today, although I should give them a ticket tick for one thing they did, which was to continue on with a program called Apprenticeship Boost, which helps uh, get apprentices into work uh, and get trained. Sorry. Now, that's actually very positive. The business community and the CTU both supported that in a big way, and so it's good that they've done that. But in the scheme of things, nothing much here for business. And I think you'll just see business confidence not, not taking much of an uptick as a result.
Ella, can I come to you? They have raised the amount of tax um, trusts will pay, and they're saying that you know that's to catch people who are funneling their wealth through these trusts, um, and gone from thirty-three uh, cents in the dollar to thirty-nine. But but no other adjustments around the the income tax regime. Should they have gone for it now? I think that perhaps the whole of New Zealand is reeling from the last few years of one crisis after another, the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. And so there seems to be an air of conservatism out that. I mean, the idea of, you know, let's let's charge trusts more, like somehow trusts are going to become so transparent about where all the money is that they're automatically going to pay a fair and just amount. I mean, good on them for having a go. They haven't had the courage to bring in the kinds of real tax reform that could actually transform the, the the way you know wealth is shared in this country um, but it's a start and and I really care more about the fact that they've put a lot more money and thought into things like housing uh, apprenticeships education early childcare the stuff that I know is going to help my community of interest to cope with the next year or two of a global recession I'm going to come to each of you. I want a rating, please, and a quick summary of um, your reckons on the budget. You're going to have about 20 seconds each. Sue Maroney, please, your rating and your final thoughts. Oh, is it out of 10? Go on, then. <laughs> Ten is the, 10's the stellar mark. What was your mark? Right. Eight out of 10 um, for balance, because I think it's, it's great balance. Um, they are looking after the country's books well. They are not doing, introducing anything that's going to make inflation worse. And they are um, looking after the most vulnerable and keeping all of our systems going because we're going to need them in the future. Sue, thank you. So, Phil, it's an eight from Sue. Do you want to wade in there, please? Give us your rating and your oh. final reckons. <laughs> I'll, I'll give that some balance by saying I'd give it a three. I think it's a cynical budget. Whoa. I don't think it. I don't think it resolves any very much of New Zealand's real structural problems. It doesn't improve our our overall wealth as a nation. It doesn't improve our overall prosperity. Nor does it improve many of the social outcomes that we need to solve. And and it will increase. I think inflation will mean interest rates stay higher for longer. I think it's a fail. Okay, Ella, you've got the final word. You've got about ten seconds. I'm going for a solid B plus 7.5. I, I think there's a lot in there to help the most disadvantaged and rebuild the capacity of our country to move forward a little more confidently. We have a great nation. It just needs some tinkering around the edges. Thank you all for joining us. That's our expert budget panel.